Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Anshad.net. Minister Josepha making schools mad again. Since starting this podcast, I've found myself um, watching Doyle TV or Aractus TV or whatever it's called and watching almost empty Doyle chambers where the Minister for Education is being given out to by Aidan O'Reardon. The scene generally goes with Aidan looking really vexed and asking a question of the minister and the, the minister dodging the question, Aidan getting even more vexed and pushing for an answer and still not getting one and it goes on and on until nothing really happens. The one exception to this was possibly one of the most infamous scenes of the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic and it was between um, the Minister for Education at the time, Norma Foley, and when Aon O'Reardon finally got the Minister to deviate from her exceptionally stubborn grip of her script, when she decided to let him know and that she made no apology for taking sides between schools and children with additional needs, saying that she was on the side of children with additional needs. Now, I'm sure if you are someone who knows a child with additional needs, how that's actually panned out. However, in this episode, I'm going to examine the outcome of another exchange between Aeon O'Reardon and another minister, Josepha Madigan, who's in charge of special education. She is probably most famous to teachers for calling children who don't have additional needs normal, which she claimed to have misspoke and kind of apologised for. Well, guess what? She is making teachers, SNAs, and everyone on the ground mad again. Mad again. Mad again? Never mind. Hello, hello, this is Simon Lewis from Unshaw.net with If I Were the Minister for Education, a weekly podcast where I look at the world of primary education and wonder what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. You can subscribe to this podcast on any of your favourite podcasting apps and please tell your teacher friends or anyone else who might be interested in primary education to uh, subscribe to so more people can find it. Now, Aegon O'Reardon was looking particularly vexed and probably even exacerbated. Um, and it's it's an interesting look, to be fair. Um, you know, I, I he, he does it quite well. He did this in the Doyle a few weeks ago. And what seemed to be getting his goat was that the government had not sanctioned the SNA allocations. Now, if you're listening in the future, this was in early mid-May 2022. And Josepha Madigan had the script that uh, all these ministers tend to bring out for any question ever asked about SNAs in special education, where they list things like how many SNAs are in the system and what a huge increase there's been over the last number of years, rather than answering the question. And Aidan uh, tried again to get a date for the allocations, and again was met with more, I suppose, guff. He tried again, and then he tried again, and then he tried, I suppose, to even get a month uh, out of her. She settled on May. Now, this year, 
was to be the first year that schools were to be reprofiled with some mystery algorithm to allocate SNAs using something called the front-loading model. Now, the front-loading model, for those of you who aren't familiar with, it, with what it is, according to the NCSE, who are in charge of special education, is, in quotes, intended to ensure that SNA posts are in schools and available immediately to students upon their arrival, reducing delays in accessing support. That sounds so good. Why would we not want that? Well, because to almost everybody else, it appears it's actually it is intended to ensure schools receive as little support as possible because there is absolutely no way they can make an algorithm to decide how many SNAs a school needs unless they use data from AIM, which they don't. Um, and AIM is what preschools receive uh, for extra support. Uh, so I don't know how they would manage to do it. Front loading was supposed to happen roughly three years ago, but the COVID-19 pandemic put a stop to it supposedly. In 2020, schools were told that they would be able to keep their allocation uh, that they had for the 2020-2021 school year, and if they needed more SNA resources, they could apply for an exceptional review. Now, interestingly, um, despite the fact that almost all schools needed extra supports because wouldn't you know, the uh, number of children uh, re reporting to mainstream primary schools with additional needs is increasing year on year, but less than 4% of exceptional applications were even processed, never mind approved. And in 2021, exactly the same thing happened. And this year, schools were to receive their front-loaded allocation for real this time. The reality was that 2020 and 2021 were actually the front-loading model, albeit by a different name, and none of the representative bodies seemed bothered in any way to complain publicly, probably because all of them have a representative on the NCSE council themselves, and they don't really like to upset them because, you know, a lot of them are, a lot of them kind of, I, I don't know, anyway, just in case... <laughs> I checked to see if that was true because I know a lot of people say, oh, they're give out, give out that say nothing because they're friends on boards of management and so on. Now, I won't name names. You can Google the, uh, the NCSE council. It's publicly available. But I will name the bodies that are represented on the council of the NCSE. And you might tend to, you might see, it's only my theory and you might agree with it or disagree with it. Um, but my theory is this is why they never publicly say anything against the NCSE. Because... When I looked at the board or the council of the, of, of the NCSE, almost all of the names were fairly familiar um, because these people tend to move around a lot. They go from board to board every few years, like a merry-go-round, you know. It doesn't really matter what the jobs are, you know. I mean, <laughs> so one of them actually was on some board of religious education and then somehow ended up on the board of special education. I don't know, but... Um, they, they just seem to be on boards, on lots and lots of different boards. And it reminds me, do you know, do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the, the relegation zone of the Premier League. Now, that's not a criticism of them. It's just, do you know when a club is looking, you know, is, is, you know kind of in the relegation zone, they kind of go, oh, no, we need, we need an experienced manager. And they call in Big Sam or Roy Hodgson or even Tony Poulos when he was around. And, um, you know, these kind of, you know, older retired people who, you know, they come out of retirement to rescue the club. Except the difference here is, you know, there's the amount of conflicts of interest that are going on here. 
So let's look at them. We've, we've representatives from the National Parents Council. We've NEPs. We've someone who seems to have held every position known to man at second level. Um, we've got the head, one of the heads of the Gwael Skullina. We've got one of the big chiefs in the INTO. And the IPPN are also representative. And about half of the people are retired from their jobs. Now, I, I only say that because, and I'm not, I mean, gosh, look, when I'm retired, I hope I'm not put into a home and never to see the light of day again. And it's, I, there's no problem with these people being on boards. I'm just mentioning that they're retired because when you're retired or when you're not directly involved in the system, you can become quite theoretical. And I, I can be like this. I mean, I can understand this because I, I'm an administrative principal and sometimes I have ideas um, for, for, for the school and, and the teachers say, look, Simon, that's not going to work. You know, and I understand that I'm not on the ground every day. I'm, I try to be, and I try to be absolutely involved in education in every way possible. But at the end of the day, I also know that I'm not the one on the ground delivering the curriculum. So I need to talk to the people on the ground. Now, I have never, ever heard of this board or anyone on it talking to people on the ground. But anyway, so when you're retired or when you're not directly involved, you can, you can afford to be theoretical. And you can become a bit less angry at things because when you're a bit older, that's what's expected of you. You, 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 know, you, you tend to not be as angry, you know. I mean, you, you also earn the tag of wisdom. And when people like me get angry about what's happening, people like me end up looking like petulant teenagers because people like them have learned to listen and nod. And looking at the council, it is absolutely no surprise that the representative bodies out there don't challenge them. Because after all they did for the education system when you were just a little child, they might say. You know, these are older, very well-respected people, and they are well-respected and deservedly so, but they're no longer angry. And I'm all in favour of disruption and anger for change. And when you fill your board with people who aren't angry, that doesn't necessarily mean better outcomes. And I'm not saying it's very positive to have a very angry board. You obviously need sense. But when you fill a board with the same type of people, you, don't, you can't expect much change. And this might look, it's only a harebrained idea. It may not make any sense. It could be psychobabble. But I'm putting it out there for what it's worth. Let's get back to the task in hand, the SNA allocations, which were released uh, just a couple of days ago. On Monday, the 30th of May, that's this Monday at the time of recording, there was still no sign of those SNA allocations. And I'd say Josepha Madigan was kind of, you know, a bit, 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 uh, what, what's the word, you know, a bit, bit scared that things weren't going to be published when she'd promised to Aidan O'Reardon and the Doyle that they would be published in May. She was so worried she was opening a water plant in Sulorgan, I have to say, so she must have been very scared. But it seemed rather hopeless for schools and almost everyone thought there was very little chance of the announcement before the end of May, and never mind before the end of May, but before Bank Holiday Monday in June. But out of nowhere, on Tuesday afternoon, on the 31st of May, just after four o'clock, the Department of Education released the allocations. And as we all excitedly looked to find out the result of their front-loading model algorithm, which nobody knows, most of us probably did a double take. It seemed like almost everyone had stayed 
at exactly the same allocation. Amazingly, after all of the anticipation and all of the nonsense about the model providing the appropriate levels of resourcing, they simply gave almost everyone the exact same allocation as a year previously. And despite what the representative bodies and their spin doctors think, people aren't stupid. I find it amazing. I think I, I, I'd love to shadow a spin doctor for, for, for a couple of days just to see how their mind works because they seem to have this amazing ability to make even the worst news um, or, even the most or even the most incompetent thing sound completely implausible when they weave their magic with it. And they see, I, I think they think people are stupid because I think they make very little effort. Or, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I, it's a very skilled job, I'm sure, but people aren't stupid. But clearly the thing was they had to do something. But clearly there was so much noise about these allocations being published in May. I mean, there, no one was talking about anything else in, um, in schools. The likelihood is they, they just basically hadn't got their stuff together in time. And when the, when the minister must have decided not to apologise and extend the time frame so they could actually get their stuff together, instead of, I presume they were working hard on this over the last few months. I mean, instead of actually, I mean, I imagine you were the person who was in charge of doing these, these allocations and you were just told on the 30th of May or the 31st of May, actually, you know all that work you did for the last few months? I have to get these out today. Um, and I know you've done a lot of work, but... Um, we're just going to give everyone what they had last year. I imagine you wouldn't be very happy. But anyway, that seems to be what she did. And she did whatever it took to get those allocations out before the end of May. That seems to be what actually happened. Now, the first that schools heard about this was actually from a very unlikely source, which shouldn't really be an unlikely source, really. Um, and this is a name you may not be familiar with. It's Nabs. No, I'm only joking, it's N-A-B-M-S-E, which is um, the body that's supposed to be responsible for boards of management dealing with special education. And while you didn't hear me mention that in the list of the people on the council, they do have a member that sits on the board of the NCSE. Now, NABSME, as they seem to call their acronym, um, charge €100 Euro per year for schools, uh, two schools, and I haven't quite figured out what it's for yet. My guess is that it's similar to why teachers pay 65 euro to the teaching council every year, except that if schools don't pay the 100 euro, nothing really happens. They're not closed down. They're still able to get all the information they need. The only thing, and I mean this, I don't mean this in a negative way particularly, the only thing I've ever heard people praise them for is they send relevant circulars from the Department of Education to schools by email. That's kind of the only thing. Oh, and they were in a conference. I wonder who else does that. Um, to be honest, their absolute, for me anyway, their absolute silence during the Norma Foley being on the side of children with additional needs was unforgivable. Their job is to represent boards of management of schools, and that is the bare minimum one should be doing if that is your job. That's their bare minimum. And when Norma Foley was pitting parents against the boards of management of schools, they should have come out with a statement saying anything. And when I wrote, and I mean, I was so cross about this. I, I mean, I, I know I get cross and I, I talk in my podcast, but I actually do stuff as well when I'm not doing the podcast. I write a lot of, a lot of correspondence uh, to, to these people. I wrote uh, the, to the CEO of 
the um, of the NAPSME to express my dismay about their lack of response. And you know what? It wasn't even acknowledged. As if I didn't exist. I'm not important enough at all to be bothered with, uh, to, to even reply, even to say thank you for your email, noted, or something equally useless. Didn't even acknowledge it. And in a completely unsurprising twist, where did she go on to? On the Quango merry-go-round. <laughs> yeah, the NCSE. Anyway, NABSME decided to write to some of their members on the morning of the 31st of May, a few hours before the announcement, to say that the allocations would be published and there would be no changes to anyone's allocation. And this spread like wildfire, wild, wildfire, uh, wildfire on uh, social media. And a small part of me became slightly interested in rejoining the group for being a little bit naughty. You know, they broke, they kind of leaked something there. That's a little bit naughty. But no, no. Since the news has actually broken, they haven't said a word. Their website hasn't been updated in a year, and they haven't tweeted a thing to their 492 followers on Twitter, except to promote some conference and a job vacancy. I actually find it appalling, appalling, that a group like this are an official partner of the Department of Education. That, that is absolutely, I think it's unforgivable, um, to be honest. Um, if, if, if they're charging schools 100 euro a year and they can't even update their website for a year, they can't, they don't, they don't do anything or make statements or represent in any way. And just providing, you can't, providing information is not the same as actually doing something about the information. And uh, I really think um, something, something has to be done um, about, about a group like that. In any case, all the prefects, as I call them, got told that morning that SNA allocations were going to stay the same for 2022. And only two statements have been published uh, since uh, Tuesday, certainly that I can find anyway, um, in response to these allocations. The first is from the INTO, who you won't be surprised to hear started off their statement with the following. The Irish National Teachers Organisation welcomes the allocation of additional SNAs for primary and special schools set out in Circular 3522, which issued this afternoon. Now, it goes on to explain what happens for schools. Contrast this, uh, for example, with Force's statement which had the title, Union slams delays in announcing 1,100 extra SNA posts. Now, this is what they said. There will be 1,100 new special needs assistant posts in the 2022-2023 school year, with SNA allocations in mainstream frozen for a third successive year. The new posts will be created for special classes and new and developing schools, with increased special school allocations where additional needs have been identified. The expansion in SNA provision is set out in Circular 3522, which issued this afternoon, the 31st of May. Now, oh, sorry, I'll carry on. The circular also confirms that the front-loading allocation model will not be introduced this year. The education department has been working on a new model, but says it can't be certain that the effect on school allocations would meet the needs of students. Now, I don't know whether that's positive or negative. So it is decided against proceeding now to allow more time for work to assess how front-loading would work in practice. So it turns out, after all the messing, that this is the third year in a row that we have a front-loading model in all but name, except it isn't the front-loading model because the Department of Education have absolutely no reliable data in order to create a front-loading model because they have no idea what children are in the system and what their needs are. And that's the problem here. They have no way of calculating what schools will need because they don't know who is in schools. 
And, and that's, that's just the way it is. And despite schools, um, when they say, I mean, they have this model, right? And I don't mind. Look, you see, you could, you could do this silly model where you provide schools with a random number that you base on whatever algorithm or, or guess, let's say, that you're going with. And then if schools could uh, apply for extra resources and actually have them done quickly, then you probably wouldn't mind a system like that. But the problem is, when schools applied for extra resources from the NTSE, very, very few of them even get to a real human being anymore. It, there was a time not so long ago that when I needed extra resources or I needed an extra SNA, I would call my CNO and I would say, look, we have a really, really difficult time here. We need extra um, supports. And the CNO would make an appointment to come in to see me. We'd go through all the paperwork. We'd have a bit of a uh, to and fro and all the rest of it. And she would make a decision. Okay, look, fair enough. I, I can see that you need, you know, X numbers and that will be sanctioned. And that was that was actually a pretty good system, in fairness. I mean, it was it was annoying, um, but it was definitely a good system. You know, you, you, they're, they're, but this now, you don't even get to talk to a human being. You type in a web form with data, you upload particular documents, and I mean, essentially, you plug that information into a web portal, and 96 times out of 100, because that's actually what happens, a message comes back with the equivalent of computer says no phrase from Little Britain. Ultimately, the whole thing is an absolute shambles, and it is now three years since the vast majority of schools have had an update to their SNA allocation. And the one thing everyone in schools agrees on is that special education needs requiring an SNA increases every single year. In contrast, the NCSE continually has reduced what an SNA is allowed to be sanctioned for. And in the 15 years I have been a principal, I am even more vexed than Aidan or Reardon even in the changes that have, made, have been made that make it harder and harder for a child to access an SNA. And I'm not alone in this. I mean, if you can just, if you're in, you know, been in the, in the job for quite a while, I mean, there used to be, if you, if you had a child with diabetes type 1, for example, or you had a child who had a visual impairment, if you had a child who had a, who had a hearing uh, impairment, or if you had a child, I don't know, with, um, it, it, with any number of physical disabilities, they would absolutely 100% get, like a, a wheelchair user, for example, they would absolutely get an SNA. If you had a child with a catheter, you would get an SNA. Not anymore. And the mad thing is, like, it's, like, it's absolutely mad. Like... This, this, these are no longer automatic entitlements uh, to, to SNA access. Um, and as I said, I'm not alone in complaining about these sort of things. The National Principles Forum has published a number of studies on special education and time and time again, they recommend a review of how schools are allocated the resources. Now, FORSA, to be fair to them, are one of the few recognised bodies that also complain about resources, although I didn't see a representative of those on the National Council, so maybe that's why. However, you never, ever hear of the INTO, the IPPN, the National Parents Council, or even NABSME, even whimper when the NCSC wields its acts to cut allocations by stealth or by other means, which is exactly what's happening. And when I'm listing those organisations, I'm re please, remi please be reminded of who sits on their boards. Now, I want to spend, you see, because I want to spend the rest of this episode giving you a few facts rather than me ranting, which I've been doing for the last, oh, I don't know, 25 minutes or so. Um, because I'm, I'm sure you don't need me going on and on and on about this and going around in circles, basically, with nothing to show for it except for, I don't know, a headache, maybe, at best. 
I want to look at two things. I want to look at when the SNA allocations have been announced in the past, because there was such a huge rigmarole about this from everyone this year about how late they were. And I just want to look at the facts on that. And I also want to look at the facts about the allocations released this week, because the thing about spin doctors is they'll put something forward out there. And when you actually fact check it, as it's known, I don't know about this 1,100 extra SNAs. Because if everybody stayed the same, well, where are these 1,100 extra SNAs coming from? And you know, I simply can't believe it. So let's start with when the allocations are released every year. Let's go with this because I think let's, let's get away from the anger now and let's get to the facts. So as we know, this year they were released on the 31st of May at the very last minute. But that's, uh, which is, I mean, to be fair, is the second latest they've ever been released. And I'll tell you what the latest one was. But last year, they were published on the 27th of May. That's only four days earlier than this year. Now, I, I, I granted that somebody had said back in February or March, they're probably not going to be changing. But the, the, the actual date that they were published was the 27th of May. In 2020, it was worse. It was the 29th of May, only two days previous to this year. And in 2019, and this is before the not front-loading model, it was the 27th of May again. Now, it was a bit earlier in 2018, it was the 18th of May. And as I'm sure you'll see by now, the SNA allocations seem to have always been released in May every year for the last five years. So, there was a huge amount, I mean, including Aidan O'Riordan's absolute exacerbation about this. But for the last five years, the, the NCSE and the Department of Education have always uh, released the allocations in late May. Now, I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad, I'm not saying that's a good thing at all. I'm just saying I don't really, I didn't really understand why there was such exacerbation about this this year. It wasn't as if this wasn't normal. Um, and... You may have just said, uh, you may have just reminded me there. Didn't you just say this, uh, the 31st May was the second latest they'd ever been? Yes, indeed I did. Because in 2017, they were actually announced in July to much outcry, as one would expect. That's when you should be getting absolutely angry. Now, before I go and defend the Department of Education, I do want to say that I find all of this ridiculous. I mean, SNAs shouldn't actually have to wait for months after teachers to know if their allocations, to know if they have a job or not. However, the trouble is that because of the crazy education system we have and many people defend with every school being a private entity, there's a whole massive domino effect on getting allocations earlier than that. And we're basically, I mean, and, and when I say that, I mean this idea that we have all these patron bodies and they're all kind of have to be, and we have all these representative bodies of these patron bodies and everybody's fighting against everyone for different allocations. It's an impossible thing to manage when every, every school is private rather than, you rather than the Department of Education directly working with schools. And I, I know I don't want to, I mean, I've all, I haven't brought the, the, the church or religion into this already, but because that is how the education system is founded, if the foundations are on religious bodies running schools, you have to have these systems in place. So indirectly, if you're defending um, the kind of the, the, the patronage model that's out there, 
indirectly you're allowing for this kind of nonsense to continue because if you took that away everything would be so much more simplified but look i i don't want to go on about that i'm just saying this is why you have this massive domino effect things happen really slowly when you have a really complicated system and that you know everything affects everything i mean when you do the sna allocations that probably affects bus transport and all the rest of it and everything else and that has to be done and and you have to tell you know several people what's going to happen i'll probably you know I'll, I'll, I'll stop now for a minute because i want to move on to um you know this uh like for example like we're the other thing that you know it's not just the patronage model we're also still working off the same foundations that the ncse started off over 20 years ago in terms of their in terms of how they allocate resources and positions now i genuinely think we need to look at how special education is 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 resourced and how it's basically need an examination of the NCSE and really just pull it apart and make it relevant to 21st century needs. When the NCSE was founded, the need the needs of children in mainstream primary schools was much much less than it is now, and I believe Irish classrooms, for example, at a very basic should be allocated should have a new position, the classroom assistant. Very like the UK one, it's a it's an extra person in a classroom that basically does anything. Like they assist the teacher, and that SNAs would only be allocated where necessary. SNAs is a very specialised and a very specialised um, kind of position, and um, and it's quite expensive. I mean, and and that's uh, that's not a criticism. I mean, the, the, you know, special education obviously is expensive, but when we, um, you know, there's no point in putting, you know, I don't know if you're working in a, in a different job, um, there's no point in putting a manager of, of a supermarket into stacking shelves all day because you know and that's not a criticism of people to stack shelves but the thing is if you've got if you're paying someone you know eighty thousand euro to stack shelves instead of to manage a store that's a waste of your resources now i'm not saying snas receive eighty thousand euro they surely don't but what i'm saying is you you need to have systems in place where if needs aren't very very high and they and sometimes they aren't there is a, a spectrum of additional needs sometimes you need someone who isn't isn't extremely well paid to do um a particular jobs and then you need snas there who are who might be better paid to do very specific jobs and you know systems like that that might work now i'm i'm, I'm this is very vague stuff but we need to be starting to explore putting people into the right types of positions um, in order to get the best out of them instead of this model that is so bloated and so outdated and there's just it just isn't working and instead of actually doing this sort of stuff what they do is they put in these buffers so now senos can't make make decisions anymore and you've got you know these random boards who nobody knows and nobody sees and uh, making all these decisions so they actually make it further complicated rather than simplifying it and so on look i've spoken um, I, so many times um, about this when I'm slating the NCSE so I won't go on anymore about it but if we want to have SNA allocations any earlier we need to strip down the system looking at all the obstacles that make that happen and for example and this is one really simple thing was that in order for the announcements to be made on, uh, on the 31st of May 
Over two dozen representative bodies had to go to Marlborough Street to hear the news and then tokenistically agree to it, really. I mean, I've been to one of these things and you're kind of there and you're told, oh, we want your feedback and so on. But they don't. I mean, what happens is you've got 24, 25, 30 people in the room. The um, person in the Department of Education tells you what's happening. You go around the room and you make your comment. And basically, it's it's kind of like watching politicians in the doll. But everyone is out for themselves. The Gwales School people will talk about, oh, Gwales School are being hired done by and um, the secondary schools say oh secondary schools are being hard done by the national parents council just give out about primary schools and so uh, and and say how schools aren't doing enough for children with additional needs and um and so on and so forth you know it's just it, it and, and then in the end it goes back around and someone nods and goes hmm, thank you very much you know it's just silly bureaucracy that isn't needed now let's move on to the next bit because I'm not going to get anywhere. We're not going to change that overnight. At least that's, you know, my, I, I would love that, th- that people would listen to this and go, oh, yes, very good idea. Let's start on that. It's not going to happen. But it is only my opinion, of course. And you may, you're very welcome to disagree with it. Um, let's move on to the next bit, because this is a bit you can't disagree with. And this is for all you data geeks out there. As I said earlier, the headline that the NCSE are putting out there, ably supported by anyone who has released their statements without checking them, um, is that there are 1,100 new SNAs coming into the system. So I decided that I'd check if that was true. Now, the NCSE helpfully published their data on PDF files. And so um, I had to find some way to convert those PDF files into some spreadsheets so I could compare the data. Now, thankfully, Adobe have a tool that allows me to do that. And next, I had to use the same process to download and convert the 2021 uh, 2022 allocations, which I also did and put into a spreadsheet. So I had two nice spreadsheets, one for 2022-23 and one for 2021-22. And the next step was to put the data of the schools side by side on the spreadsheet, making sure that every school's data for 2021 was on the same line as every school's data for 2022. I did this just for you data geeks uh, by uh, by sort them by roll number um, and then manually going through uh, where there might be an anomaly and moving everything around and so on. Um, and, be- and I had to do this because a number of schools either closed or amalgamated. So it wasn't really that simple. Um, but to be fair, it took me 45 minutes last night. I went to bed very late um, and it was easily enough to do, just a bit boring. But once I did it, the fun began. Well, if you're a data geek, the fun began. Parsing through the data, I found that if you excluded schools that opened special classes, and it seems that 309 schools did just that, that 96% of schools remained on the same SNA allocation. 96%. So almost every school. So that is true. Almost every school remained on the same SNA allocation, which left 4% of schools to either get an increase or a decrease in their SNAs. 37 schools in total lost SNAs, that represented just over 1% of schools. And this left just over 3% of all schools gaining any SNA allocation in mainstream classes. Now, this is probably all fairly meaningless without numbers, I suppose. So I decided to check that out too. It turns out that 1,100 isn't what the NCSE's own data suggests. In fact, calculating every single school's resources 
it appears that only an extra 482.41 posts to be absolutely accurate have been sanctioned in primary schools and the vast majority of them will be in special classes. Now some of you will say, and you'll be right, that the 1100 also include secondary schools. So that should mean that despite having fewer than 800 schools, they will be getting 617 or so posts or 56% of the total allocation. And that doesn't make a blind bit of sense. And to be honest, um, and, and I, I mean, I, I don't really have the time to be downloading PDFs of secondary schools and so on, but I can't imagine that's accurate. Now, again, some of you might be saying that the 1,100 posts haven't actually been allocated just yet, and there'll be some have been held back for exceptional reviews. But what percentage are being held back? It can't be any more than 10%. I mean, why would, why would you do that? If you're accurately, um, you know, supposedly accurately um, giving out posts, you might say there's a, 10, a maximum of a 10% over or under um, you know, uh, allocation. So I went with 10% as a maximum, which kind of makes sense because you've got 1,100, it's likely the 1,000 has been allocated and 100 haven't. But the posts allocated are a fraction. Even when you look at that, the posts allocated are an absolute fraction of what the press release says. Now, ultimately, something isn't right. And while the first area needs a massive piece of work, Finding out that the NCSE are not telling the truth about the increases took me 45 minutes of spreadsheet work to disprove. However, the biggest fact of all is that special education is hugely neglected and parents, advocacy groups and schools need to actually rise up against the NCSE and crash through their defenders who sit on their boards and make sure that children get the support they need rather than blaming schools, which is what they tend to do. The NCSE don't care about children, they now care about paperwork. We've seen this over the last decade because when you want your child to get any additional resources, all the NCSE care about, they don't even come to see children anymore. They want to see paperwork and they want to see paperwork in a certain format. And if you don't have the paperwork in a certain format, they won't even look at the ap application. And it's really, really difficult to know what they want because they keep changing it all the time. And even when you do give them what they want, they tell you they ha you haven't given them what they want. It is the most frustrating and it's deliberately frustrating. I would say it's deliberately frustrating. I have, and I would, I really would love to know more and investigate more about principles' experiences of appealing uh, for, exception, uh, for exceptional reviews. Because the people I've spoken to, and I've spoken to dozens of people, all report the same thing. That they, they put, they, they, um, when they're making an exceptional review for uh, SNA allocations, they do everything that they're supposed to do. And in all cases, they've come back to say the NCFC says, oh, you didn't, you didn't give us this particular piece of paperwork. And they look and that particular piece of paperwork is actually in the thing they've they sent in. And I think it's a deliberate thing. Now, I've no proof of it, but I mean, it must be if every, you know, if anyone I've spoken to is saying the same thing. But anyway, I don't think the NCSE care about children at all anymore. And they care about the paperwork now. And in order, to, and, and when I say paperwork, they care about money. It's all about money because they have a budget and that's all they care about. And we also saw on the 31st of May that Politicians don't care about children, and I don't think that comes as any surprise. They cared more about getting any old rubbish out for the allocations, so not to look bad, so Aidan O'Reardon wouldn't look vexed at them. 
The representative bodies, I argue, don't care about children. They care about, they care, well, they might care about children, but they care more about being friends with each other, as we see, as we've seen by them all being on each other's boards. And I know these are big statements to make, but all the evidence is there. And while we know that nobody really cares about teachers or SNAs, really, it might be just about time that they did. We now have data from a verifiable source, and I'm saying that in inverted commas, and not because it's, it's not true, it's just that every time uh, different bodies uh, go, out, uh, go off doing studies, um, the representative bodies say, well, that's non-verifiable data. They actually went off to get verifiable data from Maynooth, and the verifiable data is that 58%, that's nearly six in 10 principles, report as having actual anxiety, like diagnosed anxiety, and this does not bode well for anyone. It doesn't bode well for teachers and SNAs who have to work under a highly anxious principal, and it doesn't bode well for children who have to be in a school where their teachers, uh, who may also be reporting anxiety, are working for uh, the majority of principals in, 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 in a place of, of very a very difficult place of mental health. Now, while Aon O'Reardon will continue to perfect his vexed face there are teachers, SNAs, and children that don't have to pretend to be vexed. They're already in crisis. And when you come up, and I mean, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to over-egg the 58% of principals as reporting to have anxiety. But that statistic should worry the politicians. It should worry the representative bodies. It should worry the NCSE. Because and I, I'm not saying this with any, um, any particular malice or anything like that, but time and time again, from what we're seeing on the ground, one of the main focuses and one of the main reasons for principals becoming extremely stressed by their jobs, if you ask them, is how we treat children with special education. So we, uh, we need to really do something about it before it's too late. And as I said, there's no point in doing this every year and just becoming mad again, mad again, mad, mad again, yeah, never mind. We actually need to not get mad, we need to do something about it. So there we have it. Uh, that is uh, this episode wrapped up uh, on uh, SNA allocations. You know, I've made some fairly big statements. I think I can absolutely stand over them. You may not think they're fair, so please let me know uh, on uh, our social media channel, which is uh, Simon M. Lewis on Twitter, or you can go onto onshaw.net and add your comments to any of the episodes uh, that you've watched, or listened to. Sorry, you don't watch them. Um, listen, that is it for me for this week. Uh, please feel free to review or subscribe to uh, the podcast uh, to help other people find it more easily. Thanks for listening. All the best and goodbye.